and we're starting in the NBA, and it is Milwaukee dominating last night against Golden State. Still, though, Milwaukee is the third to win the title, Golden State second, and Brooklyn the favorite. Now, the rest is going to be NFL today, and the Bills today takes money against the Patriots. They're up to a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The biggest move of the week has been on the Raiders here in Las Vegas, bet down against Bengals and Joe Burrow in his first playoff game. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. It is a big Friday, and it's a special one. We've got a double best bet coming up. Me and A.J. agreeing on the same side at the end of the show. And you know what? Because we want you to have a nice variety, at the beginning of the show, within five minutes, I'm going to give a bonus best bet. A lot of action here, and I like these games. Usually... My big worry is, hey, the novices, the newbies, the degens, they're going to go crazy. There's six games. They're going to bet every one. If they start losing, they're going to chase. You know, maybe you will. I'll say don't do it. But I'm usually more worried about that when I don't like the games. Now, when I like them, I'm like, I might be betting too many games. But hopefully not too many. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to know more than their buddies. He's the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman. Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a day where details emerge on the David Culley firing in Houston. We find out the Patriots will be without their left tackle for their matchup against Buffalo. And we look ahead to Big Ben's potential last game in the biggest underdog role of his career. What is the Vegas lead, R.J.? The biggest underdog role of his career? His career and Mike Tomlin's career. Wow. So even with backup, now think about that, with backup quarterbacks, because Ben's missed more than a few games over the uh, Tomlin's yep. reign or, or uh, era, and not even with backup quarterbacks have they been this big of an underdog. That shows you how good this team's been. That's interesting. We'll get to that. We'll get to the double best bet. We'll get to my early first segment best bet. But first, I want to spend just three or four minutes and lead off with this Collie information out of Houston. Because one, you spent over a decade in the media in Houston. You've got uh, sources and a network down there. And there's been public reporting. I think it really backs up your point from yesterday. Your general point was Houston's franchise. In fact, very specifically, you said the least professional, the worst franchise in the NFL. And I was kind of taking the other side. Maybe it's not as bad as it seems. I think what's come out since and what you've heard through your sources makes it as bad, if not worse, than we thought. Uh, hit us with that. Yeah, the original uh, report from Adam Schefter was that they didn't owe him much beyond this year, that his contract wasn't fully guaranteed. But it's the, since head, come the head out. coach has been fired. Yeah, David Culley. And since it's come out that 
he will walk. He's owed seventeen million dollars over the next three years. So David Culley's going to walk away with twenty-two million dollars for one season as Houston's head coach. For, for reference, Bill Belichick made twelve point five million last year for his year of coaching the Patriots. Well, that sounds right. Right, two years of Belichick, one year of David Culley. Uh, uh, I mean, so they won four games. So I'm going to do some quick math. That's about five million a win. Uh, listen, here, here was my take yesterday. I said, are we sure that Houston didn't understand that they were in a, a tough spot last year with the Deshaun Watson stuff coming out and all the different things with O'Brien after he left in the aftermath of that? It was, hey, let's hire a coach. Let's have it be a one-year stopgap. We'll get a guy that, quite frankly, will take this job because even at a low head coach's salary, you know, relatively, it's still going to be the most money he ever made. But unless he shocks us with his performance, we'll plan on getting someone else in here after that kind of, you know, substitute teacher year. That is fine. And you know what? That would have been fair as long as you're straight with Kali. Hey, listen, you know, chances are we're going to go with a bigger name after this. But, hey, if you shock us, we're open to it. You think he's going to say, no, I'm going to stay as a position coach? So he would have taken the job. And then you would have made the contract. I mean, think of it like this. If you're a kid in college, you're renting an apartment, and you know you have a lot of parties. Do you get the place that has the high security deposit? Do you say, I want to put triple down on my security <laughs> deposit because I expect I'm going to wreck this place and I want you to have all the money up front? Or do you think, no, I kind of look ahead and say, maybe find a place that doesn't ask for the security deposit. If they thought they were going to flip the coach, why would you have it where he's getting seemingly full payout on the rest of the years of the deal? That's what doesn't make any sense. And apparently the, the guy, and I talked to some people last night, I was told that Jack Easterby was instrumental in hiring David Culley, even though they hired Corn Ferry, the, the search group, to find the next head coach. Apparently, Jack Easterby's word outweighed the search firm that they hired, and they hired David Culley, give him this guaranteed contract. And then even more insane, I hear that Jack Easterby was instrumental in the decision to fire David Culley after one season. So the same guy that hired him and gave him this guaranteed money is also the guy who said, you know what, this, this is the right thing to do is move on from him. And think about this. He exceeded all reasonable expectations. If Certainly. You, I mean, it, this was the worst roster in the league, RJ. I, I mean, again, that you've been negative on them the whole time. You had somehow you found a bet no one else in the world had. You had under four and a half wins. So you actually <laughs> won the under bet on them. But still, the rest of the world had four and they probably paid better than even their four wins. Uh, so in general, it's hard to say they were not And then the David Davis Mills development. So a guy comes in. He has never been a head coach. He looks like a like out of left field choice. He exceeds expectations. He gets fired. The only answer I had was maybe they were just planning on a gap year and that was their guy. But then when you find out they negotiated a deal that made getting away from him very difficult financially, uh, it, it makes no sense. And we're not going to spend any more time on it, but we wanted to close that loop. And it, it does point to Houston 
and the Texans specifically as a team that it's hard to have any real faith or optimism in that they're going to turn it around hearing this kind of stuff. Closing thought on this. Yeah, and the other the other thought that I or the other thing that I was told last night is it's very likely, I'd say 90% or better that whoever the next head coach is of the Houston Texans is a Belichick disciple. That's what apparently the reason they wanted to move on is because they want to move on to either Brian Flores or Josh McDaniels or Gerard Mayo, the uh, the inside linebackers coach for the Patriots right now. Well, if that's the case, I would vote or I'm going to guess Mayo because I don't think McDaniels, he said no to Andrew Luck and the Colts. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, and, and again, if anything, Flores has a sense of what having a irrational, perhaps, uh, ownership group or decision makers ahead above you can be really bad because by if anyone's exceeded expectations that was fired it was Flores at Miami I mean he he's a top 10 coach in my opinion all right let's do this shifting gears I'm gonna have my bonus best bet on the Cincy Vegas Las Vegas Raider game set it up and we'll go yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. That is the first game on the board this week, RJ. The Raiders currently plus five, the total 48 and a half. Okay, did it really take you 14 seconds to get the line on that as you dragged it out like that? I apologize. <laughs> it was like you were going. And we have, uh, you know, footballs played with a, a ball that's not round. And I think they're going to do that in this one. And it, oh, yes, it's five. All, it's five. all the games were on one of my sheets, and then that one was on a second, a second yeah. sheet. Yeah. So. All right. You, you know, <laughs> rotation order, baby. Okay. Here's what we got here. This is one of the most interesting games. One of the most interesting. I, I say. I've seen in the playoffs in years, and here's why. I could make a case for about five minutes why you should bet Cincy, and then I could make a case for about five minutes why you should bet the Raiders. So let's start, not five minutes, but let's start on Cincy. One, you could look at the results recently and say they're as hot as any team in the NFL. You toss out the last week when they didn't play their starters, and you say this is a team that beat Kansas City. Uh, with a lot at stake. Kansas City lost the number one seed by losing that game a couple weeks ago. Uh, And they came back, Cincinnati, from a deficit. So you're beating the team that's been uh, conference championship losers, Kansas City, a couple years or three years ago. Then they made the Super Bowl and won it. Then they made the Super Bowl and lost it. So that means they've literally been uh, two, one, three wins away from winning three straight Super Bowls. That's all. That's how far Kansas City has advanced, how good they've been. And in a must-win game for the only buy that Kansas City was in control of, they lost. And then you add in the way that Cincinnati's played. If, it, if you look at the Baltimore blowout, uh, you look at the Baltimore blowout before that, you look at the domination of the Steelers. I mean, it's like in both games, it's like, wow, this team's good, right? And now you got the Raiders who – Got, let's be candid, lucky to make the playoffs. Now, it was a gutsy game, and give them a ton of credit. But in games in which that were decided by less than a touchdown, six points or less, the tight games, the Raiders are seven and one. Seven winners, one loser in tight games. In the other games decided by a touchdown or more, the Raiders are three and six. <laughs> so if you assume with a coin flip, 
And tight games generally are a coin flip. And people will say, no, no, no. Russell Wilson, he's the type that's going to really win a close game. Or so-and-so, Burrow is going to win a close. History says no. It just isn't the case that typically those games are coin flips. They've been outscored on the season, the Raiders, by 65 points. So you look at it and you say, wow, that all points to Cincinnati. Look how good Cincy's been. Look how bad the Raiders have been. And by the way, the last four wins the Raiders have had, AJ, a combined 12 points. Not per game, combined. Total. Yeah, so they've been good in tough spots, but in, in close spots, but that doesn't tend to predict the future very well. All right, now, there's another thing here that makes you think maybe it's, maybe it's not the Raiders being edge here. Now, the last thing that was against the Raiders is obviously the Sunday night to the first game on Saturday. Um, I mean, effectively, that's about two days less rest. Uh, and then you count the way they celebrated after that first victory. It was like they won the – or not the first victory, but the victory before making the playoffs. And it was like on that Sunday night game, it was like, wow, it looks like they won the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have celebrated. But I'm saying what does that mean for now you have to travel all the way across the country and play an early game a day early? All right? An early game a day early after you played the last game of the season, Sunday night. All pointing to Cincy. Here's why I don't like Cincy. One is the Raiders' D-line is it's probably the best position group on the team, offense or defense. But it's certainly the strength of their defense. And Cincinnati's O-line is bad. And ever since they lost Riley Reef, uh, one of their best linemen, it's been worse. And it's been amazing that Burrow's done what he's done with his bad O-line. But it's even more of a problem when it's against a team that doesn't blitz. Now, that's a key point here. If you look at the games against blitzing teams that Cincy played, and you're not hearing this one anywhere else. This is really important. And I have not heard this anywhere. Uh, against blitzing teams, Cincinnati's done exceptionally well. Burrow's been so good against the blitz. Why? Because he's a fast processor. What he does is he can look at the field and quickly know where to go with the ball. It's just one of his greatest strengths because it's not his arm strength. It's not what else could it be? He's not a physical marvel, but he's a great, or I say borderline now, great quarterback. It's been against the blitzing teams. Baltimore, blitzing team. Pittsburgh, blitzing team. And then Kansas City, blitzing team. They played them once. In those five games, They've been outstanding in those games. And by the way, we tossed out week 18 because it doesn't count because they didn't play their starters. In those games, it's gone over four out of five. And they've scored 14 more points per game than was projected by the Vegas line. So literally, they're scoring Cincinnati two touchdowns more per game than expected in the five games against blitzing teams. Against the other games... Against the other teams that don't blitz that much, they're four and seven under the total, and they've scored. Well, the Q, they've scored actually 15 less points per game. So against those blitzing teams, they average 39 points a game. Against the non-blitzing teams, 24. 
Now, some of these teams blitz, but it's not like it's in their blood. It's not like the key. You know who blitzed the less, the least amount in the entire NFL? The, the Raiders. Raiders. Yep. So it's really a setup. Now, if you look at the first game, since he actually scored okay, but there was turnovers and fluky scores, they, they didn't really do great yardage-wise. The underlying stats in that game were saying, boy, the Bengals had a below-average offensive game. The scoring looks fine. But that's deceiving. So, and that helps us here get value on the under. And that is my bonus best bet. And uh, if you could, AJ, look up the or, or check on the screen and get me the most updated number. 48 and a half, most updated number. Okay. Now, if you were doing this, it'd be 50, right? But I'm going to go 48 and a half <laughs> on the under. And it really is about the fact that the Raiders, though on a short week, and it's important to say, the Raiders have taken serious money this week. This has been the biggest move of any of the games has been on the Raiders. And to me, it didn't make sense. And that made me dig way in because the short week, the travel, I was thinking, man, it's going to be a Cincy blowout. And then when I saw the move this week, I said, well, there's something happening here. And it makes a ton of sense to me that the mat. And if you actually look at Joe Burrow in the games against the non-blitzing teams, his QBR is 46. Now, listen, this is 11 games. 46 is like significantly below average. 52 is the average in QBR. So because it's 1 to 100, like a percentage, but because passers have gotten better since they invented QBR, it's kind of drifted up. The average is a little above 50. 46. This is a guy that some people say should be MVP, and I'm not sure that's wrong when you add it all up, but when you have five games that you have a QBR of 77, which would lead the league and it wouldn't even be close. No one has a QBR on the season of all games over 70 this year. So he's 77, and that's against really good teams. I mean, I mean, Baltimore, you can debate how good, but earlier in the year, they were certainly good against Baltimore. Pittsburgh's a playoff team and against Kansas City, probably the best team in the AFC. So to have a QBR of 77 against those teams and a QBR of 46 against lesser teams, it's got to be scheme. And we're talking 11 games against those lesser teams. The under... I think is a really strong play. AJ, what do you think? I, I love it. I also think that the fact that there's two quarterbacks and two coaches making their playoff debut, I think you see a conservative game yes. plan. I think the the injury at the end of the last game for Joe Burrow means you don't see you know a heavy Joe Burrow game either. I I, I think that everything points to this being a low scoring, grinded out game. Now, remember in like the infomercials, and they said. And you think, you know something, I might order this. I might order this George Foreman grill or something. And then at the end, they go, and that's not all. You know that part of it? <laughs> and then they throw in steak knives? Yes. Here comes the steak knives. Derek Carr. Derek Carr when it's cold. Now, I hear it's going to be below 30. And, you know, you go to the different places, you get different reports. So we looked at, and obviously this is the – extreme like it's cold below 30 and it's below freezing he's had two games in his career that that was the case now in his entire career he's had 127 games if we look at qbr Derek carr's qbr in the two games where does it rank out of the 127 the two cold games one is number 127 
I don't know if you remember, there's 127 games. That's that would the be last. Worst. That's the worst. And the other one, now think of 127 in your head right now. The other one was 124. <laughs> That's the fourth worst. So literally, and his QBR, I mean, this sounds like it's a misprint, was 6.4 on average in those two games. Oh. Remember, a bad QBR is 46. <laughs> six. <laughs> not 46, six. And, and I mean, just quickly, listen, the, the team scored 11 points per game in those two games. And the completion percentage, which is what, about 66% on average now? 46%. Yardage per game, let's say 230 is the average. 123 yards per game. That's passing. Yards per attempt, average in the NFL is 7.5, 5.5. So more interceptions than touchdowns. So his worst game was in the cold. His fourth worst game was in the cold, Derek Carr. And all the other stats are horrible. So now you got Joe Burrow against a team that that plays a scheme that he tends to be average, if not below, against a non-blitzing scheme, and you got and I think making a great case, AJ, conservative coaches. I don't know. If, I should just maybe just play repeat from here. We should just play this ten minutes again and again. What do you think? AJ? I, there's too much other stuff to talk about. All right then. All right. We'll point let's people take to the our, podcast at the end. Let's take our first break. You've got it though. Under 48 and a half, Cincy Raiders. And we have a – oh, well, yeah, we got a double best bet coming up. We agree on the best side, but we're going to go through the rest of the games in rotation order, and it will be not quite that good, but almost. That's coming up next, but first, he's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out Mark against Bell, the world, and I'm A.J. Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to get into our most popular segment of the week where we go through every game and give you some nuggets on those games. Maybe a little bit of a deeper dive since we've got a shorter slate, R.J. Maybe. I've been working <laughs> nonstop. I hope it goes deeper. <laughs> we got some good stuff, man. And we had our best bet at the beginning of the show, a bonus best bet. We'll have a double best bet, literally me and A.J. on the same game coming up here by the end of the show. And in, in between... There's going to be a prop from AJ. So, I mean, whew, it's like, as Jonas used to call it, pick palooza. You know, let's get straight to it. Usually we talk about the fastest rate, you know, blah, 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 growing, blah, blah. No, let's get straight to it, AJ. Let's do it. 67 degrees, by the way. Oh, in, and what's the neon doing? It's, it's excited. The neon is excited. It's, it's alive. Wild. It's wild card weekend, baby. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's look at the New England Patriots, now four-and-a-half-point dogs at the Buffalo Bills. Now, you've got a – this is your prop best bet on this game. And you actually had a prop best bet on this game yesterday. Why don't you give that one, and then was we'll da- talk about the new one. That was Patriots running back Damian Harris over 55-and-a-half rushing yards, who he ran for over 100 in each of the two matchups previous. Now, you and I were screaming on the break about this game, so I think we just should carry over and admit the fact that we have a major disagreement on this game. Now, let's, set the, let's <laughs> set the stage. The weather is supposed to be not cold, MF cold, way cold, however you want to say it. WTF cold, like zero degrees. And I grew up in Ohio, about an hour from Pittsburgh. So 
I can tell you, I don't know like Buffalo or Cleveland because it's a little less cold in Pittsburgh. But zero was a very possible, like at least twice a year, it'd get down to, to the single digits. And it's different. It's like the heat in Vegas. People are like, yeah, it's 97. It's hot. It's like, no, no, it's not really hot. 115 is really hot. And, and the difference is, is, is like, one, you want to kind of die. The other, you wish you had a fan. I mean, that, that's the difference. And with the cold between 20 degrees and zero degrees is about the same difference. Have you ever been in zero degree cold, AJ? I have been in zero degree cold. How different is it? It's m- miserable, miserable. And then you think about it. I've gone to football games that it was like 55 and you're cold by the end of that game you're cold because you're out. how often are people out in the 55 degrees even for four five six hours imagine i think this takes away the home field advantage i think the cold means the fans are going to be like zombies up there and i think that's another reason and i gave this as an early best bet too i like the pats in this game now the buffalo did take money today so it's up to four and a half now, where we disagree is the Bills' ability to run the ball. I think the win game showed that when it was time to run, they're not ready to run with New England. You actually think differently. I do think differently, and I think mostly because of Josh Allen and Josh Allen's ability to run, which is, I think, a great equalizer between these two teams. And Josh Allen, in his four playoff games, just under 60 yards per game on the ground in those games. And obviously, we talk about this all the time. When quarterbacks are most willing to run is when it's the most important games. And like we said yesterday, I think this is a game where both teams will want to run the ball more because it's going to be difficult to get the passing game going if it really is zero degrees out there on the field but late in the season we've seen more and more rushing the football from from Josh Allen his last five games he's averaged over 68 yards per game so I I, and the numbers at 47 and a half so my best bet for this game is going to be Josh Allen over 47 and a half rushing yards I gotta be honest I like this and I'm surprised at that I hadn't seen his number and when did you check that last uh, about five minutes before the show started. Okay, so a nice updated number. I like this. I'm going to co-sign this one. I'm, I'm just kind of flabbergasted that's the number. Uh, on the season, he's carried the ball 7.2 times, all right, so a little over seven, and he's averaged about 45 yards. But in the last five games, and remember, against, that tam- against Tampa the week after the win game, he started running even more in the second half. In the last five games, he's averaged – not, like you said, I think nine and a half carries. So if your carries have gone up from seven to nine, and historically in the playoffs, he carries the ball more. In fact, if you just look across the 2020 playoffs would be a good kind of uh, analogy because obviously he had a hell of a year last year. He averaged 8.3 carries. So his carries go up in the playoffs, right? And his carries went up late in the year. Now you add in it's going to be harder to throw. This is the perfect storm for him to carry the ball. So Josh Allen over that number is, I think, a really strong bet. And the one thing people might be a little confused about is, well, why would the, the cold really affect scoring? It's Usually it doesn't. If it's about 20, even 18, it doesn't. Wind has much more of an effect. But if you add in, if you add in when it gets down to like zero, 
historically there's less scoring. And I think with Josh Allen, even less with him throwing because he throws the ball so hard to the point that Diggs was complaining, saying we could catch more <laughs> if he wasn't throwing so hard. And how do you think that's going to be in the, in the fourth quarter when it's zero degrees? Yeah, that, that, I agree with you there. I don't, I don't think guys are going to love catching the football in this game. Now, and thus it leads to the running. Now, let's agree with this in the final point. Fez, on our podcast, Fezzik said, hey, listen, he thinks because Mac Jones is from the South that he's going to be cold. You know, I don't know. I think everyone's going to be cold. I think Mac Jones played pretty well in these bad weather games. I mean, with the New uh, with the Tampa game probably being the most prevalent, that was bad weather conditions. It wasn't cold, but it, it was kind of cold. So, where, where, last question: Where do you fall in the Mac Jones in the cold argument? I worry less about Mac Jones in the cold than Mac Jones playing extra games this season. A rookie quarterback playing an extended season, I think that you may start to see some wear on him. And we've seen him struggle down the stretch. I think playing in the cold when you're tired and it's been a long season probably isn't a help, but it doesn't scare me away from Mac Jones. Okay, here's what I'm going to give you one last tidbit, and here it is. On this season, one of the worst teams on special teams has been Buffalo. By EPA, they've lost about 32 points on special teams. One of the best special teams every year is Belichick's Patriots. They've gained about 28 points on special teams. So minus 32 plus 28 amongst the leaders and the worst. In the two games they've played against each other, there's been about zero special teams difference EPA-wise. Now that's a fluke. When you have the worst against the best for two games, you would expect it to be a factor. It hasn't been. To me, odds say regression of the mean, it will be here. And I think I'm going to predict we're going to have a key special teams mistake by Buffalo that makes a difference in this game. I do think it's noteworthy that they've been played pretty much to a draw these two games. And Buffalo's been lucky on special teams because history says, at least this year, they're not good at all. We're going to continue with our review of these games and with our best bets first, though. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, I'm A.J. Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas, R.J. Bell. You know, one day I might do uh, like a punked on you with I'll tell the other guys. It's like we're not going to let him do any reads the whole show and see how <laughs> flustered he gets. I mean, it, it, and they just have a camera on you. That that would be fun. Got right, to pay bills around here. Uh, yeah, that's true enough. Let's look at the Eagles, Tampa Bay, defending Super Bowl champions. Philadelphia Eagles, eight and a half point dogs at the Tampa Bay Bucks. The total in this one, 46. Okay, they matched up on a weekend, uh, or I'm sorry, a Thursday game this year. Remember, that was the game before Philadelphia went to run, run, run. So in a weird way, you can break Philly's season up into when they were playing normally, you know, passing the ball with Hurts a decent amount versus a running team that, you know, unlike we've seen any except maybe Baltimore in recent years, just how much they've been running the ball. And you might say, well, Tampa Bay, last year they were pretty good against the run, maybe the best, but, you know, they've dropped off. I've noticed uh, EPA 7th or something. It's a yeah, but you're missing a point. And and if you if you listen to these coaches, they sometimes give you good information. Now I'm not a big Arians fan, but he said something very interesting. Is he said, look at the first three quarters, look at the times when the game's competitive. Our running defense is just as good as ever. 
But when it gets to the fourth quarter and we've got a big lead, we're going to take one guy out of the box and we're going to say, yeah, you can run, but you're going to be eating clock and you won't run all that well. You'll just run better than you typically would, but we're going to make it harder to pass. You know what? It's hard to argue with the number of wins that Tampa's had. And if you look at the numbers, when it is like the first three quarters and it's a competitive game, is the win or the running defense of Tampa is number one in the NFL, number one. So to me, yeah, they might get some junkyards against Tampa, but all of this narrative about Tampa's run D has gotten worse, I think it's because there's been a strategic change in Tampa, and it's probably an improvement, I think. And if you look at the record, again, Tampa, with a lot of injuries this year, still with a very good record in the second seed. I think anyone talking about how Philly can run – Maybe, but I don't think anything in this year's numbers show us that. Thoughts on that, AJ? Yeah, I agree that Tampa, when they want to stop the run, they are elite, and mostly because they're so elite in the middle, which is where you know Vita Vea particularly stops everything. But you're right; if they want if they want to back an extra guy out of the box and stop the pass a little bit more, it weakens some, but still very very tough to run on these guys. And the Eagles, that's all they can really do successfully. Now that it's it's very windy here. And remember, wind affects things more than temperature even. And I here's the way to look at it. You could look at it and say the Eagles are going to be able to uh, – they're a running team, so it doesn't hurt them that it's so windy, right? Or the, the other way to look at it is, well, wait a minute. No one runs against Tampa. Now Hurts has to throw. And you know what? It's hard to throw in the wind. And Hurts doesn't throw that great even if it's not windy. And thus Philly has no chance. So that decision – is literally how you pick this game. If you believe that Philly will be able to run, uh, then the wind helps him. If they can't run and got a pass, it hurts him. And you know Brady's going to figure it out because he can throw through the wind. Last thoughts, AJ, on this game. I have no picks on it. My last thought was the list of quarterbacks the Eagles have beaten this year is a who's who of the worst in the league. Heineke, Glennon, Garrett Gilbert, Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon, Jared Goff, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Ryan. Every quarterback is ranked below Jalen Hurts that they've beat. They're 0-7 when a a quarterback has a QBR higher than Jalen Hurts this year. And obviously Tom Brady a little bit better than Jalen Hurts. Now that's a great stat. And as we go out to break, think about what he just said. Is Hurts sits in the middle of when they pretty much win every game. If the quarterback's worse, the Eagles will. Then Hurts. And if the quarterback's better, they pretty much lose every game. Now the question is, what does Hurts do? Does he take a step up or a step back because it's the playoffs, nerves? That will decide the game. I'm not an optimist about that, so I would lean Tampa. When we come back, historically, the first time we've done this, the same best bet on the same game this weekend. That's coming up next, but first, he's R.J. Bell. I'm A.J. Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, 12-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 46. Okay, if I told you, A.J., that Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and I'm going to value him at eight points as much as any quarterback over his backup, 
Would that sound right to you? That sounds about right. Okay. So what we're saying is if Kansas City Chiefs had their backup quarterback in, they would still be favored by like four and a half points. <laughs> Does that seem right to you? Uh, no. And no. the other thing that, that struck me with this was these teams played just three weeks ago, and the, the line when the game kicked off was Chiefs minus 10. Right in, right there in Kansas City. And obviously the result was heavily in Kansas City's favor, but are we jumping this two well, and a half Kelsey, points Kel- based on that? Kelsey, Kelsey was out that game, right? He was. So that, that counts for something. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be out for this game. Mm, that doesn't and count Tyre- for much. Tyreek Hill hobbled. Hobbled. I agree. But Hill was a little hobbled from COVID then in that first game. So here's what I'll say is – I actually like, if you can get to seven, Kansas City in the first half. Now, you might say, RJ, if you lean Pittsburgh for the game, why would you like KC in the first half? Well, this is a pretty amazing stat. Is Kansas or Pittsburgh in the first half of games is minus four points per game on average. They're losing by four points at halftime. If you double that and say, assume they play that well or poorly the whole game, they'd be plus or minus eight for the game. They'd be the worst team in the NFL. All right. In the second half, they're plus four. You double that, it's plus eight. They'd be the best team in the NFL. So literally, the Steelers are play like the worst team in the NFL in the first half, and they play like the best team in the NFL in the second half. You know what? If I'm betting on them, I want to bet second half. If I'm betting against them, I want to bet first half. If you can get a seven and they're out there, KC minus seven first half, I think, is a really good bet. There's also seven and a half. I don't like it near as much. Your thoughts on the game? Uh, I, one thing I brought up in, on the pod, and you had a great reason for why, double-digit home favorites in the wildcard round are 5-0 and ATS since 2003. Say that one more time. That double-digit favorites in the wild card round have been five and zero ATS since two thousand three. You talked about how, you know, max motivation. Oh, the big question with a big oh, favorite yeah. is usually motivation. You're making a good point. When you do play the dog in the regular season, your focus is thinking the favorite might not be fully engaged. You know they're going to be engaged in the playoffs, and the numbers tend to get depressed because people think, "Hell, it's a playoff team," and they shouldn't be getting doubles. But Again, I also earlier in the week gave Big Ben over passing yards because, again, I think Pittsburgh falls behind and they come back and Big Ben, like a warrior, throws for a lot of yards. Let's do a little last business and then our rare double best bet. Hey, real quick, KC in the first half, if they're favored by more than a touchdown, actually is plus seven in the first half. And in the second half, they're plus three. So really effectively – KC also is better. Hey, we're down pretty tight here, buddy. Uh, Give your best bet, and I'll double up with it. It'll be the San Francisco 49ers plus three. I think Dallas is overinflated based on the end of season. They won five out of the last six, but those were either against COVID-depleted teams, Washington twice, uh, Taysom Hill's first start, those four picks, the Giants, and then the Eagles' backups. The Niners also won four of their last five, including road wins against the Bengals and the Rams. And I think that if the Rams or if the 49ers are able to slow the run. They're the second best team against the run per DVOA. They've got a big edge here. When the Cowboys are above average in Quickly, EPA, AJ. they're seven and zero. Other than that, they're five and five. We only got twenty seconds. I agree with him. Trent Williams is back. That's key. My best bet this weekend: San Francisco plus the points. AJ agrees. If you missed any of today's show, including the breakdown of all these games, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com. We're going to be back on Monday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time. We are straight out of Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!